finishing up today the last of this series called Faith Matters. Um, one of the things that we're really trying to do over these last few weeks is to try to get us to a place where we understand that our faith is something more than simply a belief. It is something more than just a position we hold on a, what we call a doctrinal theology place. Our faith should be something that is personal, but it's not just that it's personal, but it actually personally changes our life. It changes, it brings comfort, it does something to us and for us. Now, we're going to finish up today, we're going to talk about this idea of, of our faith and what we have to talk about when we begin to look at it. Now, I've got to be honest with you, I am not a large talker. I know for the most of you, you would find that hard to believe, but I actually, for the most part, don't really like to do a lot of talking. I find for the most part, I don't have anything that I really want to say, or if I do, I find it's usually safer for me not to say it and to keep my mouth closed and to just listen. However, there are certain topics that if you get me off on, you can't shut me up. One of these topics is for the last few years of my life, I have lived in Australia. And so I love all things Australian. I love the culture. I love the people. I, I, I love the scenery. I love the sports. I just, there's something that has become ingrained into who I am about Australia. So if you want to get your ear talked off, start talking about Australia and you will find yourself, man, I wish I could just shut him up for a moment. It's become a part of who I am, and it becomes something that I've become passionate about over the years. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, something happened that should also be almost like falling in love with a country or a place. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, there came a place, a time, a moment when you made a decision to say, you know what? I don't want to do this by myself. I'm making a choice to give my life or, or choosing to follow who Jesus is. Now, we do this for many different reasons. I don't know about you, but I have heard a lot of people and I've talked to a lot of people and I, I've tried to help lead people into a relationship. And there's many reasons why people choose to follow Jesus Christ. In fact, there's kind of three main categories that I find why people choose to give their life to Jesus Christ. One of those reasons is, is that we come to a place where we just realize, you know what? What Jesus taught, what Jesus offered, the morality, his way of living makes sense. I, I want to do that that he calls us to. I, I want to live like that. I want to be like what he was. And so most, or, or not most, but a lot of people just simply come to him because you know what? The what he said and the way he lived that's the way we want to be. I've also come to realize that probably a bigger group of people come to Jesus Christ because they may have grown up in church, they may have grown up around others that love Jesus and it got to a certain point in their life and they decided they didn't want anything to do with Jesus. And they sort of went down a path that led them into all sorts of problems, troubles, heartaches, regrets, and they find themselves saying, you know what? 
I need something. I need, I need a hope that offers restoration, restitution, that offers forgiveness, that says, you know what? I come in and I want to wipe your slate clean. I want to give you a brand new start. I want to give you a new life, a new heart. And so many people come to follow Jesus Christ because looking to say, you know what? I'm needing a new start. Some of us have come to Jesus Christ because we've stood by the graveside of, a, of someone we loved and we looked at there and we say, you know what? Surely there's got to be more. This cannot be it. This cannot be the story of our, our life that we're born and we die and, and that's it. We kind of take up space for a few years. And our heart aches and longs for a better tomorrow. You see, there are many reasons why people come to Jesus Christ, but for most people, it kind of falls within the pattern of one of those three. They may be nuanced on one way or another, but for most people, it is just simply, you know what? I choose to follow his way of life because it is the best. I, I found I needed forgiveness and hope for that, that someone could come and cleanse my heart and make something new. Or it comes to that point of saying, you know what? I long for a better tomorrow. I, I need to know that there's hope that this is not it. That we're not riding around on a great big ball that just is going to burn up and it's all finished and there's no point. And so we come and we find ourselves at different places. But when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, something happened. Now, we could talk about this in kind of some theological terms, but, but basically here's what happened. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says that he came and he put his spirit within us or he began to say, you know what? I've got a different way for you to live. I want you to live and go a certain direction. And our lives began to change. Our thought processes began to change. Some of the things that we used to laugh about and talk about, and, and you know what? They're just not quite as funny anymore. There's something that as we begin to do them, they begin to wiggle on, and I don't know if that's the right word, but they begin to bother us you know what, I, I know I shouldn't be thinking that way. I, I know that's not right. And it begins to kind of create a little, God, what's happening? Something's changing. My thought process changing. And as our thought process begins to change, what happens? Our actions begin to change. We begin to treat others differently. We begin to act differently. We begin to talk differently. And so something begins to happen. Our thought press process change. Our actions begin to change. And as we do, others begin to notice. You see, there comes a point when after you give your life to Jesus Christ and you're beginning to act a certain way and you're beginning to try to talk a certain way, people begin to look at you and they may say stuff like this. What's gotten into you? Are you getting brainwashed or something? You're acting strange. You're acting different. What's all this about? And we find ourselves that sometimes we are caught because we, we, we don't know what to do. When someone comes up to me and says, what's happened to you? We'd be kind of, uh, well, I, I guess I'm getting older. You know that these things happen as you get older. You just, you, you change. Well, no, something else has happened. I, I know what getting old looks like because I've experienced a lot of that. Are you not feeling well? No, well, no, I'm, uh, you know, 
I got a new job and there's different pressures. Well, no, I know what that's like, but something is different. And many of us struggle to know what to say when someone comes to us and asks us and says, what's going on in your life? Well, Peter began to write to a group of Christians, and we don't know whether it was necessarily to a group of churches, but he, he calls out to a group of Christians in what we call Asia Minor. It was a certain region. And, and as he writes to them, he begins to call them, you're like aliens. There's something you need to know as, as you in this area, you, you're like aliens or you're like foreigners. Now, we don't know whether he began to call them aliens because either, number one, they were beginning to act so different from those around them that they were just like foreigners. Or if, because what was happening at the time in Rome, Emperor Nero... Um, began a major persecution of the church at this time. And we don't know whether there was just a group of Christians who were fleeing throughout all of the Roman Empire. And as they were fleeing through the Roman Empire, they were literally foreigners. And so as he's writing to them, he begins to say, look, guys, as you find yourself in difficult spots with people beginning to look at you and notice you because you are different, you're not from this area, you're strange, but you're strange not just because you may have a different hair color than everyone else. You're strange because maybe you don't just talk like everyone else. But you're strange because of the way you act. In fact, he begins to help us understand how do we respond or how does our faith matter? What do we do when we get caught out as being different? Well, he begins to help us. And let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3 real quickly. And let's look at some of the advice that Peter begins to give. How do we handle this spot that we find ourselves in when you are looked at as being an alien or a foreigner where you're at? And so here's how he starts. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. You see, Peter begins with this idea that being different as a follower of Jesus Christ is normal. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ or when you made a commitment and a choice to follow him, things began to change or they should begin to change. We should begin to think differently. We should begin to act differently. And what Peter begins to remind him is, look, guys, you are different. And when people begin to look at you, hey, if you are doing the right thing, who will be upset with you? Now, that's a good question. When I do what is right, my wife does not get upset with me. When I choose to throw my laundry on the laundry basket or beside the laundry basket instead of inside the laundry basket, she gets a little upset with me because I'm not doing the right thing. And so Peter's reminding him, hey guys, when you do what is right, who will be upset? But there is this little reality that says, but. Sometimes when you are doing right, when you are not going with the crowds, when you are not being like everyone else, there begins to be a bit of a pushback. 
what do you mean you don't tell those kind of jokes anymore? Are you, you're just trying to be better than us, aren't you? What do you mean you don't want to go with us to those places? What's wrong with you? And they begin, and so Peter begins to remind him, sometimes even when you are doing what is right, when everyone else knows what is right is being done, there does sometimes come pushback, and when it does, do right. The, the key to changing is not to go back to what you were. The key to changing is to continue to do what you know is right. And so Peter begins to remind him, hey, the change that is happening in you is normal. It's good. And hey, it's what's right. But if someone begins to get upset with you because you're doing what is right, do right and keep going. But he doesn't stop and just say, do right. He actually begins to push us. And in verse 15, he really begins to stop and he begins to really narrow it down. And he says, all right, now that people are beginning to notice that you're different, you're like an alien, you're like a foreigner. Maybe you're in your own house and people are looking at you like you're different. Maybe you're in your own neighborhood and their neighbors are looking at you like you're different. Maybe you're in your own city and people are looking like you're different. Your own state, your own country. Hey, it doesn't matter. Here's what I want you to do. If someone accuses you of being different, keep being different, but here's how to respond. And so here he goes and he begins to say this. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, he says, instead you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And here's where he really begins to poke it down in here. And he says this. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Now, I'm going to break this down just a little bit. As a follower of Jesus Christ, as someone who is doing what is right, Peter begins to say, guys, we do what is right. Our things, our thought patterns begin to change. Things begin to go differently and happen differently because of one thing, a hope that you have. You see, as a follower of Jesus Christ, everything we do should be about hope. We started this series off a couple weeks ago saying, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we have a living hope. The living hope we have is based upon a guy by the name of Jesus Christ who said, I am God. I love you so much that I've come to give my life for you. And they got upset with him and they killed him. And in three days he did what? He came back to life. You see, we have a living hope. We don't stop and worship a guy who 2,000 years ago died and we buried him and then we just honor him. You see, we have a hope because 2,000 years ago there was a guy by the name of Jesus Christ who lived, who loved, who died, and lived again. It gives us a hope, a hope of something better. So here's the reality. If what we have as a faith is not causing us to have hope, maybe we're missing the point. Maybe our faith is going in the wrong direction. If our faith 
if someone comes to us and as they begin to know us and they begin to see something changing in our lives and what they want to come and talk to us about is the rules we live by, we've missed the point because it's not about the rules we live by. It's about the hope we have. If people begin to know us and begin to see our faith and the change in our life, but they continually see us afraid and angry, We've missed the point because our life should be something about hope, not anger, not anxiety. Our faith should bring us to a place of hope. There was a guy who lived, who loved, who died, and is now alive. That's everything. Basically, the point of our faith is that we have hope because of him. He died. He lives. He died, he lives. That should bring us to a place of hope. Now, he doesn't tell us though, look guys, I want you to talk about your hope. He, he, kinda, he, he didn't say, hey, I want you to talk about your rules. I want you to tell people about your theology. I want you to tell people about how they should live life. I want, you know, What's right, what's wrong? He stops and he says, talk about the hope that you have. Everything we have is based on hope. But then he pushes us just that little bit farther. Because he doesn't just stop and say our faith should be about hope. But he goes on and he says this. And I'm just going to read that second part of that again. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, what should we do? Uh... Let me go ask my pastor a moment. I'm not sure what to do. Uh, let me go ask my wife. Let me go talk to my husband. I'm not sure what to talk to you about. I'm not sure what's going on. But what he, Peter begins to tell this group of people who are struggling because they're in a spot like foreigners being treated differently because they are acting differently, he begins to say, hey, be ready to give them an answer. It's not just, hey, you guys are living hope and that's great, but Talk about that hope. Be ready to, hey, I've got something that is awesome to tell you. Why am I different? Because I've experienced something different. You see, we're so afraid to sometimes talk about this living hope because, number one, sometimes we're just embarrassed. I don't mean to be funny, but you ever got caught out with someone asking you about your faith? I remember several years ago when I was traveling between a group of churches and I had to stop on an early Sunday morning to get fuel in the, my pickup truck at the time. And as I was sitting there filling up my pickup, tr uh, my pickup truck, I'm sitting there in a, standing in a suit, which those were the days when I still wore a suit to preach in. And as I'm standing there in the suit, this guy drives up in this other pickup truck right beside me, great big old burly guy, and he gets out and he looks at me and he goes, what do you do? And you know what? For a brief moment, as I'm standing there in my suit, I really want to turn around and say something like, I'm a truck driver. That's me. Hey, I'm a salesman. I got something to sell you. You know, in a brief moment, there was this thing as this guy who... I mean, a bit of a scary-looking fellow was looking at me. I wanted to come up with something other than, you know what? 
I tell people about Jesus Christ. I'm a missionary. And the moment I said, no, this is who I am. This is what my life's about. I said, you know what? I'm a missionary. I'm a missionary in Australia. And he went, oh, and he quickly, and I never heard a word from him again. But the reality is that we need to come to a place. And how do I talk about my faith? If someone says, well, why? Why would you do that? Why would you be a missionary? What are you talking about? What are you trying to convince people of? I want to talk to you real quickly what we should talk about. But, but before we do, we sometimes don't talk about it because we're embarrassed. If I want to be intellectual, if I want to be cool, if I simply want to seem to be logical, talking about a guy who lived and died 2,000 years ago, it's not cool, it's not logical, and man, sometimes it doesn't seem intellectual. And so we sometimes feel embarrassed because, you know, I know I have hope and I found something that is good for me and it's changed my life, but I don't know if I want to talk to you about it. Sometimes we don't talk about it, not just because we're embarrassed, but because we actually just don't know what to say. You ever found yourself there saying, you know what? I know what God's done for me, but, but what do I say? I'm not a theologian. I, I don't know. I don't know the right words. How do I tell someone? You know, I would hate to tell somebody something about my faith and they actually believe it and maybe it was slightly wrong. I don't know. That would just be, I, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I can go there. Well, Peter tells us, and Peter reminds us, we need to talk about that hope that we have, and we need to make sure we can do it. Talk about it. If somebody asks you, be willing to give them an answer. So what should I say? There are three different things that I think helps us, that keeps it really simple. But if I want to talk about my faith and help someone else to know what it is that I do, there's three things I want us to look at real quickly. And I think, I think it helps me, it helps keep me focused, and I think it will help you. I simply focus on three things. When someone asks, hey, why are you a Christian? I focus on three things. There was, it has, and it can. All right, now that's not very complicated for you to remember. I think you can remember those three things. There was, it can, well, it has. I'll tell you, it shouldn't be complicated, but I've even messed it up. There was, it has, and it can. All right, because I've messed it up, help me out. Just real quickly, say it with me. There was, okay, we can do it. Let's look at it real quickly. How does this help us to begin to explain our faith? Number one, there was. There was what? What is our whole, all of our faith about? Jesus Christ. What is the centrality of our faith? Not just about Jesus Christ, but that he died and he rose again. The centrality of our faith is based upon a, the fact that there was a guy who came to earth who stopped and said, I'm from God. I am a part of God, and I love you, and I want you to have a relationship with God. 
and then he died, and in three days he rose again. That is the centrality of our message. I know it's weird, and it sounds weird, but that's what happened. And so when people begin to want to argue about our faith, we can go, hey, here's what I know. There was a man by the name of Jesus Christ. He said he loved us and he wanted a relationship with us. He died on a cross to forgive me of my sin, to pay the price for my sin, and then he rose from the dead. That's what I know, and that's what I trust, and that's what's changed my life. He loves me, he's forgiven me, and he lives. What more can I say? That's the centrality of my faith. That is the centrality of your faith. So, but what about Cain? Who did Cain marry? I don't know, probably his sister, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really sure, but I do know this. There was a man by the name of Jesus Christ who came, who loved me, who said he wanted a relationship with me. He died, and he rose again so that I can have a relationship with him. That's the hope I have. Who did Cain marry? I don't know. I'm assuming probably his sister. It seems a bit gross to me, but I don't know. Well, do you really think God created the earth in six days? Probably. If he's God, I'm sure he can do anything he wants to do. But that's not the point. The point is, is there's a guy by the name of Jesus Christ who loved me, who came, and he says, I want a relationship with you. And then he died, and he rose again so that I can have a relationship with him. That's what I base my faith on. Did he create the earth in six days? I think so, but... That's not what my faith is based on. My faith is based upon a man who died and rose again. Do you really think that one day all these dead people are going to come back to life? Yeah, I personally do because I believe there was a guy by the name of Jesus Christ who died and came back to life. And then if we put our faith and trust in him, we too will be like him. That's the centrality of my faith. It's crazy. I know it seems illogical. I know it's not cool. But it's changed my life. It gives me a hope. It allows me to look for tomorrow and say, there is hope. There's a man who died and wants a relationship with me and he came back to life so that I can have a relationship with him. There was. So when you want to share your faith, start always with the there was. Not about the, I don't have to understand all the theology out there. Maybe I got the wrong theology. Well, it doesn't matter if you know about who Jesus Christ was. That is the centrality of your faith. That's what you put your faith in. You didn't put your faith in, do I understand everything about the, the God incarnate and the three in one? Hey, the reality is, is there was a man by the name of Jesus Christ. He said he was of God. And he came and he loved me. And he cared for me. And he died for me. And he came back to life. And he said, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. That's hope. Everything else, look guys, I'm not sure. We'll figure that out as we go through. And maybe one day when I get to heaven, I'll have God sort it all out in my mind properly. But until then, I'm going to put my faith and hope and trust in the one who died and rose again. So there was number two. It has. What do we mean when we say it, it, it has? Well, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, what did it do for you? Why did you? 
We all have a reason why we did it. Maybe your life was so messed up that you said, you know what? I just simply turned my life over because, man, I was messing my life up something fierce and I needed hope. And he offered me that hope and so that's why I gave my life to him. You know what? I I couldn't find a better way to live. Jesus came and he said, look, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It sounded like a pretty good way to live life. He, he stopped and he said, blessed are the peacemakers. I, I figured that's a pretty good way to live life. He began to stop and he began to just simply say, hey, follow me. I figure that's a pretty good way to live life. I, I don't know. I, I, maybe that's where you came. Maybe you came because one day you lost a loved one. And as you sat there and you looked there and you said, you know what? I need a hope that there is something better to come. The pain and the heartache that we have at loss is gripping. Why did you come to Jesus Christ? What was your point of reference? Why did you stop and make that choice? And so when we come and we want to share our faith, that hope that lies within us, we need to start with, there was, but hey, it has. It's done something for me. It has given me hope. When everything looked hopeless, there was hope. He came and he says, I will give you a brand new start. If any man be in Christ, he is a brand new creation. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's what I needed in my life. He began to stop and he began to say, look, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. I just needed that ability to say I needed someone to follow who knew where they were going. Maybe it was in my father's house or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. You see, we have a hope. This is what it's done for me. This is why I chose to follow. I I can't say, I can't, maybe it's not a good reason. I don't know. But this is my reason. There was this guy who died, who rose again, and I gave my life to him because... Number three, so he starts, we can start by saying there was, it has, and number three, it can. It can. You see, as we begin to talk to other people about Jesus Christ, what we need to understand is that what God has done for us, he can do for someone else. what he's done in my life, what he's changing in my life. And no, I'm not perfect. But he's in a process of continually working on, molding me, making me. And as I continue to follow, I continue to be something different than I was. He can do something for you too. I I can't make someone choose to follow Jesus Christ. But I can stop and tell you what he did for me, he can do for you. It's not my job to sit there and force someone to, hey, you must believe. Or he simply, hey, guys, here's what he did for me. This is who he was. This is what he did for me. Do you know what? If you give him the chance, the opportunity, hey, why don't you make that choice? It's your choice. No one else can make it for you. 
but you know what he's done for me, maybe he can do for you. That hope that I have that this is not it, that there's, there's a reason to live life, that we're not simply wasting it, breathing air in and out and consuming stuff. There's a hope and a reason. He can do it for you. You see, the whole centrality of what we are, how do you stop and explain to someone that hope that lies within? It's easy, three things. There was, it has, and it can. You don't need to stop and think about it. You know what, I gotta be able to understand what, how does the Trinity work? Oh, I can't quite figure that out. I can't figure out in the, how does propitiation and sanctification and justification, how all, what do all those big words mean anyhow? Focus on three things. There was a guy by the name of Jesus Christ who loves us, who died for us, who came back to life that we may have a relationship with him. He changed my life. I chose to follow him and it's changed me. And he can do the same for you. I don't have everything figured out. And I'm sure I'll take a lifetime trying to figure stuff out. But what he's doing in my life, he can do in your life. Isn't that brilliant? It's not hard. It's not complicated. We have a hope. Be willing to talk to someone who asks you about it. But Paul, or Peter, as he continues on though, says the message is important and making sure you, how you talk about that message is important. But he stops and he continues in the next verse. In verse 16, and he says this. As you talk about it. Now, I've added that part in. As you tell people about that hope, how do I do it? Well, here's what he says. But do this in a gentle and respectful way Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. How we respond to others is just as important as what we respond with. How we act is just as important as what we say. And so Peter looks at him and says, guys, I know what happens. When you begin to try to tell people about your faith, what happens? Yet anyone ever look at you and kind of snicker? A dead guy who died and came back to life. Yep, that's good. Okay. So you're trying to tell me all this is about that some guy who lived 2,000 years ago who lived and died? Hey, okay. What happens when someone, as you begin to try to share your faith, someone makes fun of you or the message that you are trying to share? What happens? You ever have felt that little kind of stuff go up the back of your neck? I'm not talking about the hairs going up. I'm talking about when you kind of begin to feel it and it starts going warm. And then it starts kind of getting warm around your ears. And pretty soon your cheeks and everything are kind of getting hot. And you begin to feel your heart and your heart's starting to... And you're breathing, something begins to happen with your breathing as they stop and they're looking at you and you're saying, I'm trying to explain this hope that I have and what do you do? You make fun of me. Have you ever been there? 
Okay, maybe it wasn't about sharing your faith, but I know you've been there. <laughs> Someone cut me off in the parking lot at Walmart. That was the last spot. And now, and you feel it going, well, when someone does it about your faith, it gets really personal. This is not about a parking spot. This is about my faith, and I became vulnerable with you. And you choose to mock me and make fun of me. And Peter begins to say, guys, when you talk, you know what you have to say is not cool. It doesn't sound logical. It's not the most intellectual because it's based around a guy who lived, who loved, who died, and lives again. I can't explain it except to say that he must have been who he said he was. So what happens when you try to tell someone, and, and they ask, I, I didn't come and force it on them, they ask, and so I try to tell them and they make fun of me? Peter says, take a deep breath in. Be gentle. Be respectful. You see, they're not rejecting you. They're, respect, they're rejecting your message. Here's one of the things that I've come to try to understand. I, I, there are times when it, sometimes I don't always get it. But here's the reality. My God, the one who lived, who loved, who died, and now lives again, if he can do that, he can take care of the guy who's mocking me of my faith. That's fine. It's okay. I don't always need to be the coolest kid in the class. I don't always need to be the most logical. I don't always need to be the most intellectual. There are times when it's okay to stop and say, God, right now it is a time for gentleness and respect so that when they mock you, they may mock you for what you believe, but they like who you are. They may look at you and say, you know what, I can't know where you're going. I can't. That stuff you're smoking, I ain't smoking that. But I like what it's done for you. That guy that you say you believe in, I'm not going there, but you know what? I'm really glad I know you because of what you are. I like that honesty you have. I like the fact that you stop in and you, you just tell me the truth. I like the fact that you're kind and you're respectful and you're gentle. I, I like that about you. I'm not saying I'm going there, but hey, if he can do that for you, good deal. See, the reality is someone can stop and say, you know what? They may reject your message. But may they not reject us because of how we act. May they stop and say, I'm not going down the Jesus path, but I sure love you. I'm sure glad you're my neighbor. I'm sure glad you're the guy that I work beside. I'm sure glad that we're friends. I'm not, I, I may not go down your path, but I'm sure glad that I know who you are.
you know what? Whether I'm extremely shy by nature or I'm an extreme extrovert, there will come a time and there will come a place when someone will ask you about your faith. You can't run from it. Doesn't matter whether you're young or whether you're old. Someone's going to stop one day and say, Do you really? What do you accept? What do you believe about? And you are going to have to make a choice. How do I respond at this moment? What am I going to say? And can I just stop and say this? When you come to that place, just remember three things. I can respond quite easily by saying, There was, it has, and it can. Keep it simple, keep it real. Let your faith be something that lives out of your life and comes out of your mouth. Father, today as we close, Lord, it is sometimes very difficult to talk about our faith. Sometimes it seems so personal. Sometimes we're embarrassed by it. Father, sometimes we're just, we just don't know what to say. We're scared about saying the wrong things. And there are people who are so much smarter who talk about these things. But Father, all of us, need to be able to stop and simply explain what does it mean to have a faith in a guy by the name of Jesus Christ? What is it about and how can I explain it? And Lord, we may not have all the answers. Who has those answers? Follow. Maybe we Because for what we believe, they still see you. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed real quickly, I just want to ask you some really questions real quickly. We're finishing up this series on our faith. Do you have a faith? Is there a place or has there been a time when you stopped and said, God, I can't do it and I'm just going to give you my life? If you have never done that, you can do that today. Paul tells us in the book of Romans, and he says this, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In other words, he stops and says, you know, if you come to that place in that moment, you just have to turn to him and he will save you. He will be there with you. If you've never done it, can I encourage you to do that this morning? Maybe real quickly, you already are a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe today you just need to stop and say, God, help me to learn how to gently, respectfully be able just to tell someone who asks about my faith. Lord, you're the one who died and rose again. May I not be ashamed of that and just be able to say, I, I trust in the one who died and rose again. It gives me hope, a hope of forgiveness. It gives me hope of a tomorrow. It says that the what he taught was worth following. Whatever the reason you chose to follow, Father, for your love, for dying on a cross for us. Thank you for us when we were so unlovely, when we had messed up our lives. Thank you that you care, you died, you rose again, and you give us a hope that you are a living hope. In your name we pray. Amen.